0: Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. We appreciate you taking some time with us. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hi, everyone. And we are happy to have with us again, Henry Greenwich, Fellow in residence at the McSilver Institute for Poverty Policy and Research at NYU. Henry was formerly at GM Cruise and has held policy advising roles for New York City and the U.S. Department of Transportation. Thanks for being here, Henry.
1: Thank you. It's great to be here as always.
0: Uh, Great having you, Henry. Henry, before we get into some of the Smart Driving Car newsletter headlines, let's remind listeners about the connections between race, Black Lives Matter, and transportation and mobility. There's a long history, we've talked about it before, and a need for change now in how autonomous technology, robo-taxis and more, are being developed and, and brought to market.
1: Yeah, sure. Thanks for that, Fred. So without going into all of the history, we do know that our Uh, system in the United States, our transportation system, was really founded uh, fundamentally uh, with racism. And we know that we've got to get away from that. And so some of the work that we're doing at the McSilver Institute is looking at the connection between race, transportation, and poverty. And so today we see so many examples of that. You know, I, I look at this Gallup poll that was uh, that took place uh, maybe uh, several weeks ago, and it said that you know 41 of Black Americans in this country have negative uh, encounters with police. That is just part of the problem. Um, we see this recent uh, shooting uh, with Jacob Blake. And I have to tell you gentlemen, you know, on the heels of COVID, on the heels of the killing of George Floyd, sort of another example of where we can clearly see uh, Black Americans in this country uh, treating, treated unfairly. Uh, this one hurts, it, it hurts deeply. Uh, I was able to see the video, you know, and I had to have a conversation with myself about whether I wanted to relive that trauma but felt uh, that I had that responsibility to actually watch what happened, given that I'm in the work and really trying to make a difference. Now, this was not a police stop, but it's really indicative of the problem that we have here in this country. And so for us at McSilver, what we really wanna do is take a look at mobility, take a look at technology and really find ways towards solutions. And so happy to be here and talk more about that today.
0: Yeah, and obviously, it goes way beyond uh, policing, et et cetera, too. We're seeing militia groups and this 17-year-old with the shootings in in Kenosha and in the aftermath. A lot of things going on that are almost hard to get your head around.
1: Yeah, I I have to tell you, again, it is something that, you know, I I needed a mental break uh, just because of what we're seeing. uh, And listen, the black community literally lost our superhero uh, the other night. Yep. passing of Padwick Boseman. Uh, and if you look at his career, uh, he, he played all of our heroes, uh, Jackie Robinson, Thurgood Marshall, uh, and then, of course, the first Marvel superhero, the Black Panther. And so this on top of what we feel, uh, we, we do feel a tremendous amount of loss and a, a tremendous amount of pressure and a tremendous amount of um, just th- there's a tiredness uh, that you feel. And so we've got to do a better job. And so yeah, I'm happy to he- be here talking about smart driving cars because I fundamentally believe that this is a pathway uh, to some of that fairness, some of that equality, where we uh, address these equity issues.
2: Yeah, and and I think I think it's really important in terms of of uh, mobility and the interaction of police and 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 mobility. I mean, it, it's ironic to me that that here we have mobility driving is probably the way not only most many Black Americans, but also white Americans have interfaced with police. I mean, yeah. what interface have I had with police? I used to get a few tickets, you know? Uh, when did I start disliking police? Uh, when they were behind the the, uh, the the billboard waiting to catch me speeding, you know. And in some sense, it's kind of it's kind, it's really ironic that, that that I get a negative uh, view of police because of my interaction with mobility, and it's just a shame. Here we have you know here we have this this supposed privilege of driving. That, of course, the way it's sold to us, and I'll blame it on the way it's sold to us, is sold to us is now this great freedom to misbehave, uh, to go fast, uh, to do donuts on my neighbor's lawn, to speed through the desert. This is a close course, don't do it as Mercedes has 10 whatever red things blown up smoke, or cars riding up the, the Great Wall, and look at how great our, or our car is because it can negotiate the Great Wall and all of this. And so we get in there and guess what we do? We I I don't know, I'll blame it on them. And then and then we get interfaced with police. And and luckily, you know, nothing bad has happened to me, but all of a sudden then you put this other overlay on top of it, then it just gets out of control. Yeah. And in a sense to me that's where That's where maybe the the opportunity of this technology is the greatest, is for it to be on these vehicles and it not letting us misbehave in the first place. So we don't need the police there to tell us, to force us to behave. And that can maybe begin to help all of this. Henry, some thoughts or?
1: Yeah, some thoughts of this. It's interesting you mentioned your lack of interactions with the police. I can remember being 18 years old. Maybe I was 17 and I was driving for, for the one, one of the first times. I was in Morristown, New Jersey, actually. And I was pulled over uh, sure. and you know, I'm, I'm fumbling for my license and I was absolutely nervous. And I'm not sure where that fear came from, but I can tell you it, it's been there a long time now. That yeah. was my first experience with the police. And the police officer said to me, well, why are you so nervous? And, you know, I don't remember what my <laughs> response was, uh, but that could have gone, you know, that could have
2: gone ugly, different, uh, that could have gone ugly. and it shouldn't Absolutely. have occurred in the first place. Right. When you think about in Absolutely. some sense, if you're one, you shouldn't be speeding Two, we can put technology in the darn vehicle that keeps us from speeding. Yeah. Whoa! what about our freedom? Get out of here. Cut it out, you know, we'll give you nine miles or something if you yeah. if you want it. But this other craziness stuff. Go ahead.
1: It's important to point out, I did not get a ticket. I did not get a warning. I didn't get anything. I was a black guy driving around in Morristown, New Jersey, where my aunt yeah. happened to live. Uh, but, you know, we, we talk about, you know, what self-driving cars can do. And there's the question of, is it going to eliminate the police stops? I don't know. I don't have an answer there. But I can tell you, I, would, I wish that more companies were sort of out there exploring this issue. We know Waymo's put out their law enforcement engagement plan. I want exactly. to see more about that. What is this right. going to look like? And of right. course, how are we going to address algorithmic bias? Is that going to play a part in police interaction moving forward? There are so many questions on this issue. But I am optimistic we can get things to a place that are much better than they are.
2: Right. And, and I think, and also, I mean, why do we have people with guns, like overseeing this a traffic thing or a broken taillight? Really, you need somebody with a gun? And in some sense, those folks with guns are really highly trained, very competent individuals, but they shouldn't be put in the places where you know this triviality of a, i have a broken taillight cut it out i mean they deserve to be places where they can be really helpful as opposed to that and 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 you know i don't know um, just seems to be that we should be there because all of a sudden all this stuff then starts cascading and you know i've i've talked about this and maybe talked about it even with you even here with the with the Princeton police, you know what they do? They're driving down the road. They see a broken taillight. They check, check the, the the license plate. Uh, the owner has uh, has a uh, warrant out for his or her arrest because why? Because they didn't pay the previous taillight broken thing, yeah. and all of a sudden they're getting arrested and da da de, da da da, and you know this this uh, this just how do you get out of that kind of thing? And and it's, and and why? I mean, for a trivial, one, trivial amounts of money, two, my goodness, there should be a fund out there to fix the damn taillights, you know? I mean, how much could that be? Take it down to Pep Boys and have them fix the damn thing.
1: Yeah, but you know, Alan, <laughs> you're talking about taillights and yes, we do see some of that. Yep. The experience that I shared, I can tell you, I was not speeding. Uh, yeah. I was driving in a neighborhood that well, I probably, you know, they probably didn't see a lot of people like me in that neighborhood. And you know, that's why I believe I was pulled over. You know, well, that that's that just ugly. Like
2: that's, that that's just ugly. That of yeah. course there there's there's not an there's not an excuse in the world for that one. I mean, at least a tail light, it might have a little bit of an excuse. Jeez, but I
0: mean, it may know, be I'm ugly, sorry. Alan, but I think uh, and Henry will corroborate. It's probably everyday experience. For,
1: it is an everyday experience. For young black males, especially. That was just the first. Um now listen, uh, I, I've had yeah. several negative experiences. I will say I had a positive experience. Uh, my wife and I were traveling with our young child and we pulled over so that she could nurse and a police op- officer came by to check on us. But yeah. I got to tell you, I was pretty nervous, okay? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, no, I don't blame you. Me.
2: Yeah, no, and, and, a lot of, and, and of course they do that and they, they'll, they'll do that and they'll, they'll turn. So there are so many instances of positive. The problem is is that we as I guess humans tend to remember the negative stuff much Absolutely. more than we remember the positive stuff. That's, yeah. sorry, that's just the way we're, I think we're wired and boy that negative stuff just keeps reverberating and reverberating and, so, look, and it's
1: just I, ugly. I think here, you know, we have to figure out how to address the behavior of these police officers. They are there to protect us. And they should not be afraid of us. I gotta tell you this, also, you know, the laws have never really been on our side. And I'm talking about the side of Black Americans. You know, police officers have qualified immunity. Uh, They often feel as though they can go out there with with effectually a license to kill. And what I saw in this latest uh, shooting, you know there were seven shots fired. You, you hit the guy four times in the back it 's almost as if you were dealing with someone who was not human when in fact he was he was a father and he was human. But it was almost as if there were there was no thought of the consequences of those actions, either his life or the life of the officer, meaning that there was no thought about you know any kind of uh, discipline. Uh, And so we've got to get rid of qualified immunity. We've got to do better at training our police officers to to not be afraid and to to figure out how to handle those situations a lot better. Now, some will say that, you know, this gentleman had a warrant. Well, I say, you know, the police officer didn't know that at the time. You know, some will say, well, there was a knife in the vehicle. It It was on the floorboard well, the the knife wasn't anywhere near uh, being a threat to the the, the officer. He wasn't in imminent danger. And so you have situations like this that happen every day. Uh, What would we do if we did not have the cell phone and these videos that were able to capture what actually happens. You know, this was a police uh, department that is scheduled to get uh, cameras but doesn't have body cameras yet, right? Uh, So we've got to get to the heart of it. We've got to fix the laws and we've got to fix the behavior.
2: Yeah, well, certainly the cameras are are, are helping the situation because in fact, it just provides uh, in some sense the fundamental proof of what the heck was there as opposed to somebody's memories or somebody putting something or whatever recollection and so on. I mean, it's uh, it's a good thing they're, they're out there in some sense. Thank you Apple for the iPhone and everybody picking them up. They're taking a bunch of weird pictures with these things. They're taking a bunch of these. Here, I always thought that all the cell phone videos would pit, would finally show us aliens coming from the outer <laughs> planets. And, and instead of me saying, hey, I saw an alien last night, boo, here it is, you know. Of all these things, we have yet to see an alien, you know, seeing a lot of other things that we wish we wouldn't have seen. And 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 so on, and we wish that we w- wouldn't have happened. But, but the aliens and the Loch Ness monsters somehow were they?
0: <laughs> they have so. I think if, if you look hard enough online, you'll find those alien videos. Oh,
1: I, I, <laughs> I, I, the federal I, I, government has I, released I, footage of the air I, force, I, force I, and the navy I, pilots, uh, and who knows what they experienced? Uh, yeah, there, no, there are I, videos, Alex. Yeah
2: yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I know. i, I go, luckily I don't go searching for those things because. As we know, we can find anything we want on the internet. I mean, it's just no
1: thank you. (laughs) So my question, you know, is what can we do? What can this self-driving car industry do? You've got Waymo who who took the first step. They're out there. I don't know how much work has been done since, uh, but this has got to be something that these companies are looking uh, looking at, especially the robo-taxi companies.
2: Right, and and, and Henry, uh, you know, you've helped us out a little bit uh, so far in Trenton, and want more help with you. I mean, I, I'm uh, I've sort of, at least from my own point of view, see Trenton as as the, the key place to try to do this. It's a it's a smaller community. It's not a big city. It's uh, you know, the streets are not streets that are really tough. People don't travel fast. There are no, you know, it's not a nice thing that you've got to go to do 90 miles an hour to provide somebody mobility and 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 to really go in there and and figure out and, and really do what the what does the technology have to have to be so that it is really appreciated and serves the community and so the community has to come in and 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 tell the the waymos the the uber automateds, or the gm cruises or whatever this is what would be good for us this is what we would would cherish and 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 help protect and and embrace and then go out and do that and, and, and I guess you know, my feeling is, is that's all one needs to do because, because you have an opportunity to do this at, at such affordable price because it can scale. And once it scales, the price is <clears throat> gonna plummet, or not the price, the cost of doing this plummets. And if the cost plummets, then you can price it at a point that is, that is affordable and make money because of scale okay you don't have to make a lot on one you can make a little bit on a lot and
1: that should keep everybody happy no I mean (laughs) well that's the question can we keep everybody happy so what you just touched on is that the the, the point that you know that we've had this conversation before and I I always talk about the importance of the community engagement piece and so I'm about to make some of the engineers not happy when I say this, but it's no longer just about how good your technology is. It's also about how you, how you communicate your, your, your public policy and how you engage with the community. And in order to uh, effectively address uh, some of the systemic issues in Trenton, you've got to go out there. You have to have some very honest conversations with the residents of Trenton. You need to have folks who understand the culture and some of the issues on the inside so that they can figure out ways to uh, authentically message uh, what we are trying to achieve with this technology and and why it's affordable and why they should trust it. And then if we're coming back to the the law enforcement and police interaction thing, uh, that's a whole another set of issues. Because again, you've got black Americans who, you know, for the many of them feel that the police are after them, no matter if they've done something wrong or not. And so how do you get this service to sort of um, address some of those issues and and build that trust? The answer is it takes time uh, and it takes people that are reflective of of that community on the inside participating in the process. And we don't really see that uh, not in a way that's going to be effective just yet.
2: Well, I agree with you 100% that the technology as far as I'm concerned is essentially there. It's essentially safe enough. It's essentially good enough. The issue is, is how do you take that and make it relevant and make it safe and make it appreciated by the community because it's the community that's going to consume it. It is for them. It's not for the designers. Oh yeah, hey, yeah, we got the thing to work and go around, make a left turn, right turn, stop, and vote. great. But what about, you know, what what is it actually delivering to the c- customer and the community is the customer, and it has to become not customer focused on that end and Where, where does law enforcement fit in T- to, to make it a pleasant uh, a- atmosphere, not to sit there and guard it with guns and make sure who oh, uh, chew away or anything like that? How, how do you make it so that so that everybody's happy going there? maybe I don't know get a cup of coffee I don't know, maybe hit a joy i, I don't if it ta- I, it's the community that should be saying, this is what we want. This is how we would like to live. This is this is what makes us happy. And and we should say, great, what are we going? Oh, well, I wouldn't do that. I mean, what the hell? What made me God on that sense? I mean, come well, on. Right,
0: right now, I think most people in the communities have no idea what this offers. What the experience would be like, so that's the communication part of it that oh, I think that you're thing. talking. Both of you were yeah. talking about. I think yeah,
1: well, the messaging hasn't been clear. When we talk about some of the benefits, right? We understand that there are long-term sustainability benefits. Well, what does that mean? Oh, uh, reduction in greenhouse gas emissions. Oh, well, what does that mean? What it means is cleaner air, which prevents a lot of these systemic issues you have in our public health care system today. Uh, the asthma. All of the things that you know we know to be true, a lot of these conversations aren't being had uh, with regular, everyday people. I think a lot of us, and I know in the past, I've been guilty of this as well. I'd go out to the public, and I'd be using all the words that I... I learned in school and I, I want to sound intelligent, people don't know what you're talking about. Not because they're not intelligent, but because they're not in the space and, and using that vernacular. And so we've got to take a step back. We've got to have a real conversation like we're having a cup of coffee or, or beer with someone. And there's a reluctance to do that. I think part of it is inherently when you go to these communities, there's this notion of sort of talking down to them, uh, saying you've got the solution for them and they just don't know. And it, it's got no, to, to be the
2: reverse. It, it has, that reverse. has to be the reverse. It has to be the listen, reverse.
1: And we haven't learned that just yet. Um, and I'm really hoping that a lot of the, the, the public policy professionals, a lot of the uh, public engagement professionals will take that next step uh, to figure out how to tailor the, those messages to everyday people.
0: Terrific. Yep. Yep. Well, we're gonna talk about some of the headlines in the, in the upcoming newsletter. Uh, Uber this week vowed to make more safety information public regarding its self-driving cars after the National Transportation Safety Board had some harsh criticism. That was related to the 2018 death of pedestrian Elaine Herzberg in Arizona. Alan, you're saying this is really welcome news.
2: Oh, it's really welcome news, and I think it. I think uh, hats off to Nap Busey who um, went from NHTSA over to to uh, Uber as head of their uh, safety programs. And I think that uh, you know, in a year or so that he's been there, he's he's really made a, a fundamental change in 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 Uber, especially dealing with with these uh, with the safety associated with these vehicles and how they're approaching the community. And, uh, and I find this uh, a very, very uh, welcome and, and, um, and uh, very wonderful um, uh, piece of news out there.
0: And we've talked before, Henry. I think Uber and Lyft have made a, a big difference already in in providing transportation in, in underserved areas of the cities. So. Absolutely.
1: I think Uber and Lyft have fundamentally changed the way we can commute around these communities. Uh, and however, I do wanna sort of uh, bring light to an issue that I see sort of popping up. You know, you've got Uber um, putting out ads in support of uh, the black community. You've got one of them that says something to the fact that if you, to- if you tolerate racism, uh, delete Uber. Uh, on one hand, it's fantastic. We've got public support from a company like Uber who is denouncing racism. On the other hand, um, the question then arises, okay, well, what are you doing internally to sort of back up those statements? And I'm not picking on Uber. Um, I think they're, they're, they're very much a, a leader in this space and being out there. But what also needs to happen is internally, they need to ensure that their words are reflecting what's happening in the company and their culture. You know, are, are you really working to diversify your, your, your leadership uh, and your workforce, is that reflective in your public policy and the way you're, you're treating these drivers who, listen, California says they're employees, right? Um, so that is a that is an interesting thing that I'm seeing now with a lot of these companies. They're putting forward support uh, and it's great marketing and advertising, but I want to understand what is the, the policy behind it and what steps are being taken to actually address systematic racism internally.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, and not to argue the Uber case very, very much, but I, I think that in terms of, of, of what the driverless initiative uh, uh, can do for Uber can really help them is that it can, it can let them have their drivers and almost be employees uh, to serve mobility for those who can afford the driver and have the drivers earn a, a good living wage and 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 have a good occupation and, and uh, not put any of them out of work. Where the driverless piece comes in is it allows them to scale so they then can provide mobility to anybody, including the black community, if not particularly the black community, and provide it very, very affordably. Why? Because they, they you don't have the burden of having the driver earn a living wage. And not be a slave in doing it. Your slave is 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 Nvidia chips or something like that, you know. And I guess we've said to hell. I mean, we're we're gonna make those suckers do all our workforce. Great, and then you can deliver the mobility uh, to the to the community who can most benefit from it and deliver it affordably. So that they're happy with it, and Uber can be happy as hell, making whatever money, having their stock prices go to wherever, and so on and so forth. And I, that's that's how I see it evolving. And 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 what I really like about what Nat is is done at at Uber is that you know he's really the the, the safety piece is uh, you know they have the opportunity to go out there and lead that now. Hopefully their technology is good enough to. Go, you know, leapfrog uh, GM and and cruise and, and Waymo and whatever and go out there. But this allows them to, to really scale. You know, you, there are only so many people you can get as drivers, maybe enough to do 1% of the trips. You can't get them to do that for 10% of the trips. Unless you, I mean, there's nobody willing to work that, that many right. people willing to work that cheaply to provide... Affordable affordability to ten percent of the trips. The only way you can get there is through technology, and who, get, who gets who gets laid off? And and in, in many of those situations, it's me, who's been driving myself for free you know of course i drive myself for free so here's
1: where i gotta stop you out here's where i gotta stop go go ahead stop me please i was with you i was with you so in order for companies like uber and lyft to 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 achieve profitability long term they've got to go driverless we know that uh we know it's the key to everything because labor is their biggest cost however in doing so, right, and getting to that point, the question is, how are they going to communicate that effectively? You know, the issue with Black Americans and self-driving cars is this notion that the technology is going to take away jobs. If you look at who's driving these Ubers, it is Black and brown people. And yeah, so right. now, how are you going to communicate to them that you're going driverless uh, because it benefits everyone to do so? That is the conversation that is probably not happening right now. If it is, I'm not aware of it. Uh, but that's the conversation that needs to happen. Why that's important. And it can't be just that you just want to be profitable. You know, Black Americans have been tossed aside and, and, and discarded so many times. Now, is Uber and Lyft just another technology that will do the same to this group of people? That is the fundamental question that many are asking. But they, they they fail to sort of realize the things that you're talking about. That's the conversation that needs to happen. Yeah,
2: and 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 I and I, I guess I don't present it correctly, or I don't present. I continue to believe that not one Uber driver gets unemployed by this, by the driverless, because you're always going to have a mix. You, the, the, People, some people will always want and be able to afford a driver, and in fact, what Uber and Lyft have done is they 've made that affordability number come down because before it had you had to pay for a taxi and it was hard and whatever and now it 's easy and so on and and and, and so those there 'll still be calls for a driver they 'll still be there, but the new trips, all the other stuff, all the other uh Need to get get my hair done, need to go to church, need to go to, to 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 a playground, need to need to go to go to work by the people who couldn't afford a, a a chauffeur or even a cheap Uber driver, can now get that through driverless, and they've been introduced to that kind of mobility because of what Uber and Lyft have done to this point. And, in some sense, oppressing the driver and getting some people out there to work at much lower wages than what they should have been asked to work at. And and so I think we've gotten a taste, or we, I think the community has gotten a taste of that mobility. And that's great. Now, if they can even provide more of that at a more affordable price with the driverless and let the drivers, drivers you know, Serve the rich folks in Princeton. I don't know. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. that, that's that's the way I know how to say that how to do that correctly is where need help from you, need help from the community, need need help from everybody to say, you know, is this is this really something uh, good that can happen here.
0: And of course, Henry Henry's point about the the hiring in the corporate offices at Uber and other places as well, obviously. Is it really valid yeah, but uh, uh,
2: yeah but but uber corporate offices have changed drastically, luckily, i mean what what the heck was the company like before you know, I mean it was you know right. Buckland yeah. we're going out there, you know, you know, lawyer up you know <laughs> we're taking i mean I think the lawyer up stuff is i think it's done, um and i think it's it's much more looking to the community and 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 I think that that's that 's uh, uh, they need to be praised for that and 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 look they've they 've done i think wonders for the community and and all the d- data that i 've seen that 's been released of individual trips of where they are the kind of trips they they, they 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 make in talking to 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 drivers and the kind of people that that they carry and and and, and so on and and they serve i think they 've done they've They've done more for mobility in, in the poorer communities than, than normal they've transit systems have done, I think. I mean, that's yeah, my perception on this They've certainly the
1: had a, a, an impact. What I think is, oh, though, they, they can't stop. There's still much work to be done. There, uh, so I, absolutely. Only, there's still much work to be done. Uh, you, you can't sort of stop it and sort of enjoy the fruits of the previous you've got to yeah. because yeah. it's too important not to. Right.
0: Another headline to to hit on here, Voyage, which has been providing autonomous shuttle transportation in retirement communities in Florida and California, has announced the G3, its next generation robo-taxi. Uh, CEO Oliver Cameron, who we, we hope is going to be with us fairly soon, says it's half the cost of the G2, designed to drive without the need for anyone behind the wheel, without requiring a safety driver. It is ready to thrive in a covid nineteen world they 're testing UVC lighting sterilization in these vehicles, and the g three is being tested on the road in San Jose with production vehicles arriving next year. It sounds pretty significant
2: yeah, yeah, I think you know they 've been moving along and they 've focused on the senior community which is which is a good community to focus on, and uh, you know they 're they're maybe not as well funded as, as some of the others, but, uh, but uh, Cameron has been making uh, excellent progress. Hopefully this does get to a point in which you can do much of this without a safety driver or without an attendant. Again, not to unemploy folks, it's the scale you can't scale if you're going to if you're going to require more labor than is currently being used i mean i i, I just don't see where you find the people and in some sense um you know some of this um, some of this is not not things that people should should be doing i think you know there there are better things that people can do and that that opens up a whole other issue as to you know what is appropriate employment i mean uh, um, Looking at the some of these uh, apps that go out and do uh, uh, shopping for you, and so on, and the uh, and, uh, the way that the those shop the people who do the shopping for you are monitored and and managed, you know. Makes me say, oh my, "Oh my goodness, is this really the the way we control labor and and get maximum productivity? And is really maximum productivity really worth it when you have to, you know, sit there and count the seconds? And it takes somebody to take a an item off the shelf and find one in the store for you when they're doing something for you? I mean." Talk about never mind. I don't even want to go there. But uh, that's a,
0: yeah. And very often the shoppers who are at home, the people who are, who are buying, they don't want that person rushing. That one. They want that person who's filling the supermarket cart to be a little careful about what they're buying. I, I, there must be a better, I mean, it makes, it got me
2: wondering about what the heck I'm teaching in operations research and financial engineering and all the optimization and optimal productivity and all the monitoring and all this stuff when it comes down to basically sitting there and and trying to control people as if they're, they're computers. I mean, come on, these are people. And there's got to there's got to be a measure of quality there and, and, and compassion in, in, the, in addition to the the number of of, of uh, fitbit seconds between da do da 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 that somebody does that rushes out to, get to oh my goodness it's it's whoa it, really that's the way you want to make money
0: I mean come interesting on. comment Alan oh, very yeah. interesting perspective uh, maybe Henry has a comment on that <laughs> one.
1: It's getting harder and harder to be sort of a a gig worker in general, but I think, you know, with with COVID, these grocery uh, apps uh, who have their shoppers shopping for you, uh, for for the consumers, listen, it's a hard life. You know, I think before COVID, they were sort of in their stride, and I'm talking about the shoppers, that is, uh, but, you know, I'm not sure people understand what it's like uh, doing that kind of work these days. You literally have to be in front of your phone all day uh, and you have to get the right job. And it's less money now. They, they've hired more people because of the uh, increase uh, in demand. But as a shopper now, it's a lot more difficult to get those jobs that actually pay. Um, You spend all day on your phone Uh, The the work that you put in pre-COVID To establish a rating uh, That was thrown out for some time and so the way it works is the higher rating you have, the better jobs you get. And so they, they, they pushed that to a side for a while. I think that's now back. But in any case, this is a very sort of nascent industry still. And I think we're still understanding the impact uh, on people who actually do this work, the gig workers. Uh, it's right. not an easy life at all.
2: It, it absolutely and you know and make sure that they don't work more than 30 hours a week so that they don't have to give them no, health care and and, and, and and all no, no, so no, california
1: no, is n- a settlement and they've got to uh distribute uh, something like seven hundred thousand uh to, to to these workers for health care but you know now they're asking for hazard pay and, and things like that it, it, it's a tough life I mean,
2: it, it's a tough life to earn minimum wage out of this and and to be there i mean if you look at it, it uh, Listen, I mean were, we're, 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 we're slaves treated that badly. I I mean sorry to have that thought in my mind, Henry, but that thought well, please, crosses wrong, my mind. I mean, I mean a oh, whole
0: lot worse, I think, Alan. But, but I guess I so. But really.
2: damn it, it seems like you're this damn app is sitting there and you gotta and and you gotta sit there and toe the line. You yeah. gotta toe the line. You don't toe the line, you get whacked. Yeah. Holy hell. Um, I don't know. I I am so fortunate where I happen to be. I told Elizabeth, man, I am such a happy camper where I am because because to to feed my family I have to do that.
1: Oh my! I mean, what the hell? Uh, well, come look, on. Like I said, I before mean, COVID, I think this was very lucrative for many, but it's gotten more and more difficult, and the company hasn't. Helped with that. They've so, for instance, one one of the companies, uh, I think uh, Washington DC is suing them because for a time they replaced uh, the the ability to tip with a service fee that went directly back to the company. So the you know customers are thinking that if they 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 accept this service fee that is it's going directly to the to the to the gig worker or the shopper when that was not the case. It was going directly back to the company, and so. It goes back to my point. It's no longer about how great your technology is. Your technology has to be good, but it's it's where you are from a public public policy perspective, how you treat your uh, workers and how you treat the general public at large. And I think that's going to become more and more important for these companies.
0: We'll continue in just a moment, but this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. To get more information, head to MOTOETF.com. And on the website, we should point out, it's a good idea to read the white paper there. It's titled The Smart Transportation Revolution. It's under the Insights and News tab. Great information there to help you make informed decisions about investing. You may know ETFs can be a good way to spread risk with investments and focus on a particular category of stocks. The site, again, is MOTOETF.com. Alan Ford Bosch and Bedrock this week announced an automated valet parking garage in Detroit. In the newsletter, you're pretty outspoken on this one.
2: There's a political Next. comment. I mean, come <laughs> on. Really? This is what we're developing this technology for to park a car? I mean, come on. Never mind.
0: From IEEE Spectrum comes a posting from GM's Cruise, a company that uh, henry 's very familiar with. It's headlined, Self-driving cars learn to read the body language of people on the street. They've hired game developers to work on this training the vehicle systems to understand gestures. Interesting.
2: Well, of course, I mean, they have to understand gestures, but, uh, but some of this you have to, you have to really ask a question. You know, one of the key examples is, is that they show somebody in a work zone holding up a stop sign with their hand up. Okay. The reason why the stop sign doesn't work is because we as humans don't, don't, react to stop signs, we want to see a hand. Guess what? Any algorithm is going to to see that stop sign, it's going to stop. It doesn't need the hand out there too, Okay. So in fact, the gesture is really for us, not the uh, automated system. And so why the automated system should even look for the hand out there? it's great. It's gonna get a PhD dissertation on the shelf. Anyway, I just think some of these things, yes, there are some situations. In fact, yes, you do want, and you do want to have the ability to have the uh, what the intention of a pedestrian is going to be and the body language of a pedestrian out there and, and what that pedestrian is about to do, the more anticipation you can do with that one, yes. Okay, so there is some some possible really good work here. But some of this is, you know, come on, man. I don't know. We're we're who who makes up this stuff.
1: I'm a little bit more optimistic and positive about this than, than Alan is look, you know, we say that we're like 90% there in terms of resolving this engineering challenge and the last 10% is, you know, solving for human behavior. So I love to hear that they're taking this on and working on this. Yeah. Um, and this is what they should be doing. And I want yeah. other companies to, to talk about what they're doing as well. Why? Because it leads to a great amount of public trust. And that's what we're going to need to see this technology really work.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that too. So, but yes. In Fairfax, Virginia, TransDev is testing a 12-person passenger shuttle for public transit. It has accessibility features such as audible and visual alerts and braille instructions. And we'll also have a safety steward on board, which I guess only makes sense for now at least. Our listeners can't can't hear you yawning.
2: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I guess the listeners can't hear. I'm yawning. We're we're more than halfway through 2020. This is a headline. And it's going to have an attendant on board. And probably, you know, uh, they won't get it to a point that they can pull the attendant out. So after the, the money dries up, it's going to disappear. That's all the farther we are. I, I don't know. I, you know, it's nice to see some of these things. We've got to get started. I'm not sure. <laughs> Darn it, we sh- I don't know what happened to us. Uh, you, want, you, want to, I,
0: you want to move it further along, faster, and well, there's, there's, I, not much, I, I, there's not much advantage if you have a safety driver in there over existing systems where shuttles have a have a driver, then right? Is
2: well, that the, that's what I I mean. If you can't make it affordable, then what do we have to do? Be out there with our hands on? Do You know how much money the New York MTA is asking Washington for just to run the subway? Okay. I mean, an enormous amount of money, and we're not gonna put another system out there for which we have another handout that we need another handout from Washington? I guess we just print it, the hell with it. But darn it, we've got to get, the real value of this thing is the potential for affordability, the potential to take a technology That is that that has Moore's law associated with it. Why is Moore's law so fundamentally important? Is because when it scales, and as it scales, it gets better and cheaper. Okay, that's why are we? Why I don't know. Why are we at least? not completely in chaos right now, is because we've had some amount of technology out there who's come in and and allowed us to do these Zoom sessions, is allowing colleges and, and grade schools to open this fall, is allowing this technology to go, that has kept the market up so it keeps all the whatever, you know, happy. And, and, and I guess has also helped the logistics systems make sure that there's some amount of food on the shelves. And, and we've been able to get through this, but it's, but it's technology that's done it for us. And it's allowed a lot of people to basically become unemployed and still maybe get some money Why? Because this thing is apparently generating the cash that is keeping the whole darn thing afloat. Well, that's great. You know, if we only need 2% of the people to produce all the food for everybody to eat, then my goodness, maybe, you know, uh, many of us really can stay home and be fed. And there's nothing wrong with that and in fact the society should even move to that and let the people do something that they're happy doing as opposed to i got to sit there and watch my app and do you know maybe we take care of people because we have the because the technology allows us to take care of people but let's get to the point of taking care of people long time ago we took people out of the the the, the gray crossing at railroad tracks, you know, there used to be, I guess, two guys, they're putting up and down the thing and they got, they had lifetime work and they just put up and then we decide, you know, or, or, you know, taking tolls on the New Jersey Turnpike. I guess that's a good job, but my goodness, if we put technology in there, collect the tolls and say to those people, hey, go do, go do something creative, we'll give you the money for it. We're collecting the money anyway technology is creating it shifted over to them let them do something something they like we may have the opportunity to do that but it really requires that technology and and i think the technology is to say look if we look at a human let's figure out what each human in wherever that human is what they would like to do and let's get in the position to let them do that i don't know maybe that's that's too weird or something or hey or maybe you know I've been sitting here in Princeton too damn long you know this is this is the beginning of my 49th year here so you know and to professor I talk about being in a bubble too long and having no perception of what the hell is going on in the real world
0: that's me how you cram 49 years of teaching into 39 years of existing? Of on the planet, oh, no, I don't 38, know. 38. My last birthday was my 38th.
2: I'm going I'm, I'm, I went up to 39, now I'm going down, you know? I mean, what the hell? Ah, oh, that's because I'm living on borrowed time as we all know. So, you know, I'm I'm living on house money.
0: <laughs> Some Tesla headlines to talk about quickly, Alan. Uh, Tesla driver on autopilot uh, in North Carolina admitted to watching a movie on his phone crashed his Model S into a police car that that was stopped on on the roadway. Uh, No one was hurt here, but you had some comments on this. Yeah, well,
2: look, I mean, we all know the automated emergency braking system has to work with stationary objects in the lane ahead when they appear, okay? All right, apparently Daimler has a system that works, at least they demonstrated. So if if you have the money to go out and buy a 2020 uh s class you can get it on there so that if you're following somebody and that somebody moves out of the changes lane because what there's a there's a cornhouser standing there ready to stop you that the car following all of a sudden now uh, sees a stationary object and doesn't say Oh oh that's a tree I can pass under or that's a that's a overpass I can pass under uh let me just forget about it and now it begins to stop. That's what they have to do. So that's probably what happened in this case, and it happens all the time. You're following somebody, you're nicely following with your, with, your, um, with your intelligent cruise control and all of a sudden they move out of the way. Now you're not following anybody, but there's, oh, whoa, and I can't disregard that. It's what happened to Uber with Elaine Herzberg, it's what happened to Tesla with Joshua Brown <clears throat> happening again. You know, fix the damn thing or recall or have NHTSA go in there and recall all the damn vehicles.
0: That would well, get Elon to fix it. Another Tesla headline the five for one stock split that takes effect to tomorrow, I think. A share price climbed well over $2,000 in the interim. Tesla passing the market value of walmart
2: yeah what are you gonna do i'm so glad i didn't short them at 400 (laughs) 300 200 i'm so glad i'm so happy i'm so depressed i didn't buy them at 1400 Never mind, I'm the worst investor in the world. So.
0: (laughs) And Elon Musk is saying,
2: (laughs) yeah, go go ahead.
0: Musk is saying it won't. It may not be long before you can control or summon the the Tesla just with your mind. Uh, He demonstrated the progress Neuralink is making at the at the end of this past week. It's a device implanted into the skull, electrodes going into the brain. He says it has the potential to cure. Blindness, paralysis, memory issues, almost anything else you can think of it seems, and possibly lead to brain to brain communications, not to mention brain to tesla communication uh, they 've got a demo online they showed this working in pigs, and Musk says the goal is to help of the of doing all this was to recruit more smart people to come and work for the company, so he did this whole thing live online, and the videos online and Hey, look, when you're hot, you're hot. You know, I mean out <laughs> there. Elon is
2: he, he's got his soapbox and, and he's got the snake oil and man the guy is like going nuts and, and He's got more you know, rockets
0: going up today too, I think too. Oh, today, today, oh, yeah. Today's
2: another launch. Oh my goodness. Two I can't two, miss two or it.
0: three launches today, I think. Actually oh, uh, I mean, you know, the
2: guy <laughs> What are you going to do? I mean, uh, he's uh, he's almost, you know, Paul Allen, you know, before he passed was, it seemed like everything that Paul Allen would get into with, uh, you know, he tried to give money away and he put it into something that was crazy and all of a sudden go, Psh, it would be great and it, more money would come in. He couldn't give his money away. <laughs> Um, uh, you know, I guess I don't know when you're hot, you're hot and when you're not <laughs> like me. Uh, uh, no, hey, hey, look, I have nothing to complain about. Look, I get to be on with Henry and with Fred. I mean, I have a great time.
0: <laughs> Henry, Henry, I don't know if you saw this. I mean, they have a, a robotic they have a, a robot that does the surgery that drills the hole into the skull so it's done precisely and implants the wires that they, they don't allow the human surgeon to touch this.
1: Listen I, I did see it and listen the guy say what you want but uh amazing figure in, in our industry I do wonder what's going to happen battery day you know September 22nd yeah got battery day they're saying there may be some impacts to the stock, or not. Some think the the, the stock is going to continue to go up without popping yet. Um, others think Battery Day is really going to be the the, the telling sign. Who knows? Uh, I'm glad I didn't short as well. And that, that, that's, that's later in, in September. Uh,
2: yeah, and. And I guess you know, for a long time, the, the the issue of batteries is is really, to me, the critical issue here. Uh, you know, um, um, Thomas Davenport, uh, who was a who was an engineer in the eighteen thirties and so on, was at least a, a, to my investigation was sort of the first guy out there that really looking at batteries for for mobility. And and of course, I used to say in my lectures that. We hadn't made much progress over what Thomas Davenport was doing in the 1830s uh, till today. Although you know some of the things that have been going on with the lithium, and so on, is is certainly an improvement. And um, batteries have always been really tough. You know, it's, it was the problem of Apollo 13. It was a major challenge in the whole Apollo program with batteries. To get the power density to a point and the uh, and the rechargeability to a cycle type that that in fact uh, you know can can be productive has been really tough. Uh, it may be that we're beginning to see the little bit of Moore's law in that sucker. We get Moore's law in batteries. It's over. I mean you know who. Everything, I mean, what's the big challenge in this guy? The big challenge in this guy is the battery, okay?
0: That's and that, that can challenge. that and I, that can probably wirelessly charge, and so can this Neuralink device in your skull. You have to put a thing on your head to charge it up at night, which I don't know. I don't know yeah. how that's gonna work. But that's... remember
2: when they said or something that gave you brain cancer or something, and there was a scare about 10 years ago that all of a sudden all this stuff is here, gonna okay. phone uh, who well, oh and all this, uh, <laughs>
0: well, we want to remind people. <laughs> we want to remind people, Alan, that the Smart Driving Car Summit, uh, virtual this year, is is coming up in October, the, October twentieth through twenty second, and you've got information on smartdrivingcar.com that people should should monitor for for all the latest on that.
2: Right, and and we'd certainly like to have some feedback from some folks as to what they would like to see. The, you know, part of the issue of the summit has been to bring people together so that they can have, you know, one-on-one conversation with folks and, and, and discuss stuff, I think is the reason why they came. And the issue is, is how, how can we create that virtually? I think uh sitting here like we're sitting here today, basically in some sense almost preaching to people um, you know there how, how big's youtube YouTube has a gazillion videos you can go watch problem is you can't interact with them how How do we really create or what kind of interaction environment would people like to have to discuss some of the things that they'd like to discuss and some of the things that they'd like uh, to to get down and dirty on and 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 try to work out i think you know the the idea the idea with this is that we're we're still trying to we're trying to figure out what to do and, and it's really what's nice about having henry here you know i mean we're trying to do the right thing in communities to put the right thing in there we we don't know if we knew then hey yeah here's a here's a cookbook follow the steps go do it i mean you know, what the hell you know, but we, we really don't know. We're trying to figure it out and how, how we create an environment where it allows people to figure th- try to figure things, some things out and move forward is really what we're try- we try to, to establish with the, with the summit. So uh, we're open to discussion as to how we should try to pull this off.
0: One way, one way. I'm sure we want to get Henry involved with this too. Absolutely.
2: Of course. Absolutely. Because, you know, people want to talk to Henry. People want to discuss things with Henry. People want to pick Henry's brain. Okay. (laughs) They should and they should. And Henry wants to pick some other people's brains and, and get to that interaction. One, one needs to have a discussion here. This isn't a proclamation from above.
0: Right. And we really appreciate your insights to being here with us today, Henry. Always terrific to have you. Your, your, your thoughts are, are really welcome.
1: Yeah, always great to be here. I appreciate the opportunity and you guys just having an open mind to some of the things we're discussing. And,
2: and it's great having you at NYU with, with what you're doing at the Center at NYU. And I think it's a really good thing that's going on there. And, um, and uh, best of luck with it, okay?
0: Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you to our sponsor, the Smart ETF's Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. The ticker symbol for the ETF is MOTO, and you can find more information at motoetf.com. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, wherever you turn for podcasts, and your smart speaker can play us too. You can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen or watch, and please stay safe. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Henry.